Welcome to Elevate the Day. Karen and I are excited to be with you to share God's Word as well as practical ways that you can grow your relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. Be sure to tune in each week and tell all of your friends so that you can elevate their day too. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Elevate the Day. I'm your host, Karen Jensen Salisbury, with my wonderful co-host, Jennifer Cavello. Hey, everyone. We are glad to be here with you today because we have an exciting guest with us today. My own cousin, Melinda Osborne Kaler, is with us today. She is a missionary to Africa. She has been in Africa for, what, 35 years, men? Is that right? Yeah, 36. She has been a missionary to Africa in different countries and has seen miracles and has lived in the city and lived in the bush. And oh my gosh, she has a million stories to tell us. And so welcome, Melinda. Thank you. It's so fun to be here. I'm going to let Jennifer ask you most of the questions because I already know everything about you. And so <laughs> she's going to be the inquiring mind that wants to know, like our listeners. Oh, I, I love it. I love it. Well, welcome to the show, Melinda. I'm very excited to have you here today. Thank you, Jennifer. So why don't you tell our listeners um, a little bit about how did you become a missionary and, and what does that look like? Because I bet most of us are thinking of missionaries from a long time ago. We might have a picture in our head, but you are a present day missionary and I'm sure doing really exciting things. So give the, the listeners well, a little background. When I was called, I didn't even know what a missionary was. Okay, I was seven years old um, and uh, grew up on the back of a horse and I uh, had a horse uh, accident, had a spill, broke my jaw, my face, and uh, was in the hospital for a week. And uh, during that time, my mother had um, a dream that I died and they were burying me. And this was on Thursday night. I was to have surgery the next day on Friday morning to set my jaw. And um, every time she'd go to sleep, she'd have the same dream that I died and they were burying me. And she'd get up and call the hospital. They say, Mrs. Osborne, Melinda's fine. Don't worry, go back to bed. And, uh, but the last time, it happened three times. And the last time she's like, God, God, I'm just gonna give you my baby girl. I give you my baby. And she got on her knees and she just gave me to God. And at that time she had a vision of an oval picture frame and she saw me and she saw my husband and we were about age 50. And um, interesting, she saw my hair tied up because at 50 years old, I was working in Dar Salaam, which is extremely hot. It's like 110, it's, it's 90 degrees, but with the humidity, it's about 110 degrees. And so my hair was up all the time. Um, and God showed her that I would live and not die but that he was taking that prayer that my mother prayed and was um, taking her seriously. And, he, and she gave me to God. So God said, okay, I'm taking her and I'm going to use her as a missionary. So that was what mom saw. Now, the next day when I went into hospital or I was, uh, when I went into surgery, I came out and the first thing I said to my father when I came out of surgery was daddy, Jesus appeared to me. I'm seven years old. You understand? Jesus appeared to me and he said, I'm going to be a missionary and I'm going to Africa. Oh now, 
in the church we were in, I didn't really know what a missionary was. At seven, I had no idea what Africa was. It was simply <laughs> a call of God. Okay. It was because of my mother's prayers that she gave me to God. And God took those prayers and he said, okay, uh, you gave her to me. She's not going to use her. So then fast forward, I'm in, um, I went to University of Oregon and then I transferred to Portland State. And I was feeling like, as Brother Hagen used to always say, like taking a shower with your socks on. Um, I'm studying health education. I'm becoming a health teacher, but there's something not right. I kind of gotten, I've lost that call. And so I fasted and prayed. Well, I was born again in spirit filled at 13. So I love the Lord and all, but I wasn't necessarily um, in a spirit-filled church knowing anything really very much. Mm -hmm. And so uh, at this time, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to fast and pray. And when I fasted and prayed for three days, when I, the third morning on Sunday morning, I woke up and I opened the Sunday morning Oregonian and it was all about China. And the Lord began to deal in my heart over the Chinese people. This was in 1981-82, and there was all that um, awful stuff going on in the Tian Square and whatnot in China. And God put such a burden on my heart with those people. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go to China. And I tried to go. <clears throat> I tried to go with the Assemblies of God. No, nope, that didn't work. And so I'm like, okay, God, I'm just going to give that to you. <clears throat> but that, that's what restored my missions call. Okay. Now, Karen married my cousin Brent, and off they went to Ramah which made me so jealous because I wanted to go to Rama, and God kept telling me, no, no, this is not the time yet. You wait, you finish your university. So I, <clears throat> I finished uh, Portland state. And then the next year I went to Rama. This was in uh, 1983. And I went to, to Rama. followed them. They were there the first year I was at the second year. Um, we were there together and with missions in my heart by this time, you know, cause God had restored that vision to me. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting in my missions class and Ralph Hagemeyer, Ralph and Shirley Hagemeyer were our teachers for missions on the second year. And I was sitting in class and I heard a voice and that voice said, one day you'll work with this man. And I thought someone's playing a joke on me. I actually looked around to see who was pulling my strings, you know, like who said that? And they're all just looking at him and listening. And I thought, um, well, that was weird. Nobody's like grimacing or making a face that they're talking to me, you know? So I'm like, huh. And I went back and I'm listening again. And he's right there saying at that moment, we don't like single women on the mission field <laughs> because they cause all sorts of problems. They need to be married before they go. And he was online like, I heard the voice again. It's this man's voice. And he said, one day you'll work with that man. And I'm like, well, Lord, if that's you, you're going to have to do a miracle because he is just saying right now that he didn't like single women on the mission field. <laughs> and I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know that I'm supposed to go to Africa and work with Ralph and Shirley Hagemeyer. I knew that in my heart. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know it yet, but I know it, you know? <laughs> so that was March of 1985. Graduated from Rama in May. And then um, I went to Victory World Mission Training Center to get missions training. And at that time, Pastor Billy Joe was believing God for this property right across the street from ORU. And he said, if you go to mission school, 
to the people who are going to mission school. I will pay your trip to be a missionary to wherever, whatever nation you want. And I'm like, I don't have any debt, but I don't have any money to go to the mission field. So if he's willing to pay for my ticket, I definitely need missions training. So I went to Victory and uh, got the missions training and he bought my ticket. So January 10th, 1986, I was on an airplane to Nairobi, Kenya. Took me two weeks to get out to the middle. And I had written to Ralph and Shirley Hagemeyer months after they had gone back to, uh, to Africa, to Congo. And I was like, I, I, I feel like I'm supposed to come. And they say, well, you can come for a couple months. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. And uh, I went after three or four months, they said, I think by April of 86, they said, they called me and they said, Melinda, we would love to have you stay. You can stay and work with us. I'm like, score Jesus. Yay. <laughs> so um, I became a permanent uh, teacher at their Bible school. And um, uh, two years later, my husband, Dan came, arrived on my birthday and um, he wasn't my husband at that time. It took a while to uh, realize that he was the gift of God for me. And then um, two years later, we were married. And uh, so we served in Congo together. I was his interpreter first for Swahili. And then we, we started feeling this, we're going to, to change fields or we're going to add another field or something. I would, we just sensed this change is coming. We worked in Congo for eight or nine years and then god sent us to rwanda and this was immediately after that horrible devastating genocide in 1994 but god sent us there to bring reconciliation and healing um, to a broken nation and uh we had people in our church i mean you had hutus and tutsis sitting next to each other marrying each other loving each other um, we started a church there. And then in 1997, um, just at the time, actually, when Karen's first husband, Brent, died, I happened to be home with her during that time. And Dan calls and says, we're getting thrown out of the country. <laughs> I'm like, well, no worries. God showed me this three and a half years ahead of time, he showed me exactly what was going to happen, that we would go to Rwanda and then we would go to Dar es Salaam. And God said, yeah. you'll be thrown out of the country. No worries. That is me sending you to Dar. So I'm like, Dan, God told us this two and a half years ago, three years ago. And it happened exactly as God showed me. We moved to Dar es Salaam. And uh, by this time we had three children. And that's where the, the main thrust of our ministry was 20 years in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, on the Indian Ocean coast. And this is the interesting part of that. You remember I'd had that vision of Chinese. Mm -hmm. Well, when I was 14, God asked me to give up running. I was a track runner. I loved running. I said all of the, uh, the records for our school. And uh, I had a coach, they were talking Olympics and stuff. Oh and at this time that I was born again and spirit filled. And then the lady who was mentoring me, she called one day and she said, God just spoke to me and said, you're supposed to give up running and track. I'm like, well, I don't think I want to, <laughs> you know? And she said, God says he wants you to run for his glory, not the glory of men. I'm like, what happens if I don't obey God? 
what if I just don't obey God? Oh, yeah. And she said, well, you'll probably break your leg or something. Something bad will happen. I'm like, oh, well, I, I, I don't want that. You know, I'm a brand new Christian. I don't know. Anything. So I'm like, Lord, just confirm to me that this is your will because I just, I don't know what to do. You know, this was, everybody was thinking the future, running Olympics, all this sort of stuff. And a, a friend I had not seen for like four years walked up to me in junior high and she said, oh, Melinda, I had a dream about you last night. I'm like, you did? She said, yes, we were running track and they, they shot off the gun and you took off running. I fell down at the beginning. So I just watched you. You ran all the way around. You're way ahead of everybody else. But when you crossed the finish line, you blew up into little pieces and there was nothing left. <laughs> oh my gosh. <gasps> like, well, I guess that's confirmation. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, yeah. A little confirmation. I was like, okay, okay, okay. I will... I will give this up. And I gave it up. And I, and there was so much pressure, you know, to stay in the coaches and everybody was like putting, they didn't understand. I got to obey God. I got to quit. God said, no. And they're like, say what? What's the matter with you? You know? Um, and so it, was, it, it, it took something really strong for God to put that in my heart, to take a stand against all the pressure. Mm. But then Lynn, the lady who was mentoring me, she called and she said, God said, because you gave that up and you obeyed him. I had a vision about your future. And I see you walking along um, a beach. And I see the ocean here and in your arms, you have little fuzzy creatures that you were holding and they're all different colors. They're all different colors. And you're scooping them up and you're, you're preparing, you're caring for them. And, and, and I thought, well, that's weird. <laughs> you know, at 14, what does that mean to you? I have no idea. Put that one in the be a zookeeper. God wants me to be a zookeeper. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Okay, fast forward 40 years, you know, uh, we have now moved to Dar Salaam's on the Indian Ocean coast, extremely hot, very Islamic, and uh, we start a church, we have a Swahili service and an English service, and then, um, so we started in like 1999, and then um, the Lord brought us in 2000, he brought us Indian, so now we don't just have Africans, we have Indians, hmm. well, fast forward to 2006, the Lord put me in a season of prayer for two months. All I did was pray and I'm walking. I mean, I took the kids to school. Then I came home. I didn't do any shopping. I didn't go do visitation to the church people. I just prayed and I just walk the room and I pray and I pray and I pray for two months. Are we doing everything you want us to do? Lord, is there anything else you want us to accomplish? And I thought there can't possibly be anything else. We are doing so much, you know, there can't, God can't add anything more to my plate. And I couldn't see any way that that would happen. So after a season of two months of prayer, November, this is November of 2000, all of a sudden I walk into a business and there's a Chinese man in there. And that Chinese man says, I said, can you fix my phone? There was a problem with our phone. And he's like, yeah. And he said, wait, just wait for me. And then after he fixed my phone, he said, where do you go to church? And I'm like, well, I'm, um, we have a church just down the road here. And he's like, I want to go to your church. <laughs> okay. So then suddenly four Chinese show up at our church. Well, my husband was in America at the time. He comes back 
And um, by this time, we have a whole handful of Chinese coming down. It's like, these guys don't speak English. Most of them don't speak Swahili. We need to start a Chinese service. So now we have Indian, Filipino, African, European, and Chinese. The fulfillment of this vision that Lynn saw when I was 14 of all these little different colored people that were pastoring. And it was on the Indian Ocean coast. She saw that. Wow. God, you know, he sees the beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. I I had no idea. I hated Dar es Salaam. I had been there in 89 and I'm like, not Dar. I, I hate that city. It's hot. I was miserable. I mean, no. And it became one of the pinnacles of love in my life mm-hmm. with the most beautiful people that we pastored for almost 20 years. Wow. Uh, but we are apostolic. That weird to, to, to start works mm-hmm. and to go into hard places and begin um, new works. So in, in 2015, 2016, God, once again, I'm in a season of prayer, six hours of prayer a day. I'm seeking God. And um, God asks me, would you give me everything? Would you leave everything for me? Because I just thought we'll be in Dar Salaam for the rest of our lives. And I said, well, of course, God, I did before. I left everything in Oregon for you. Would I not just leave everything? And, but I didn't really believe <laughs> he was going to ask me to leave everything. And then um, he had us leave everything we owned in dark and just go out with a car and drive to the bush of Zambia. I mean, a bush, this remote area where the people were struggling. They were just eating little herbs and things. They didn't even have a real diet of food and stuff. Mm. They were struggling in the desert. And Dan and I went to visit somebody there and we looked at each other it's like, we're supposed to be here. We're supposed to be helping these people. Mm. And so we started, we started um, church planting there, but also it's a different ministry than what we were doing in Tanzania. This is where we're uh, feeding people as well. So we have like a thousand eggs a day oh. and then, and those eggs, you know, they're laid by eight o'clock in the morning. They're gone by 12 noon. Wow. A thousand eggs. Wow. It's like that. Um, we farmers, built- right? You're a farmer. You're raising chickens and goats and all those kinds of things. Completely different. Goats and, um, and sheep. We live in a round hut with a grass roof. Uh, forget the big city of six million people where I could actually go buy cheese. Now there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing. You have to drive two and a half hours to get fuel, two and a half hours to buy food. So we have to do everything, be completely self-sustainable, basically. So, yeah, so we butcher um, 1,200 chickens a month, raise, we have layers that that lay about 1,000 eggs a day. Uh, We also have, we started with just a handful of sheep and goats. Now we butcher uh, several goats and sheep uh, every month, and um, just trying to to bring food and sustenance plus start churches in very remote areas. Wow! So it's a completely different from the urban ministry that we had. Completely different thing. 
And actually, I begin to see now, God, I just feel like he's He's even launching us into a more global, um, multinational mm. ministry. Wow. I see I see things changing of what God wants to do with us, but it, it we haven't seen how it's going to happen yet. I always just get the sense in my heart first mm-hmm. and then pray it out, walk it out, and, and God begins to reveal step by step. But that's basically, that's basically it in a nutshell. Uh, it, wow. I, I am sitting here going, my life is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you yeah. haven't even heard all the times where we almost died. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we'll have to have you back. We'll have to have you back. So, you know, what I'm hearing though, and I love this is uh, seasons of prayer, seasons of obedience, seasons of being sensitive to the Holy Ghost, and and um, and getting those confirmations from other other people, as opposed to oh, I have a great idea, I'm going to just go do this and jumping in without any kind of you know real direction or vision from God. And in the work that you do, this is critical. I mean, lives okay. are. I don't want to say in danger, but you know, your lives could be, you know, in danger and, and you're going into these remote places. And it's, it's making me think that, uh, you know, uh, the, the gospel will be preached all to every human being on the planet. And you and your husband are doing just that reaching those last handful of people in these end days, making sure that they know the love of Jesus. So, you know, kudos and God's blessings on, on you both. Um, I'd love to hear some stories about um, some of the people you've met and, and their experiences with you, because you had to look a little strange coming into some of these places. <laughs> Definitely. There, yeah, there's lots of stories about that. Um, I was just thinking, you know, when Karen's husband, um, first husband, Brent, my cousin came out in 1991 and uh, Dan, I was pregnant with the first baby, so I didn't go on the trip, but Dan t- took him and we had another pastor friend, Ray Stark, uh, that went out to the island of Ijwi where there are pygmies and where these people have never seen electricity before and um, had to walk through the mountains and there's witch doctors that would kill people to get their blood and all sorts of weird things. and. And um, yeah, it was just like a crazy time. And in the midst of all that, they, they walked to the top of a mountain and the pygmies would drum uh, the messages to each other from one mountaintop to another. And they are up there and they're drumming about having this meeting and people are getting healed and blessed and set free. This mother walked all night long with her seven-year-old deaf mute baby, her little girl. And they're just getting ready to leave, to get in the boat, to come back to, to Bukavu. And this mother shows up. It's after the meeting. It's after everything. And she's like, pray for my baby. And they were like, um, it's, we're just leaving now, you know. But this woman walked all night with that child to get there. Wow. So they prayed. And then one of the students, we had a Bible school student, several of them that went with them step back and clap that was the first sound that child had ever heard she jumped and looked and she was like what and so they said can you say baba baba 
she began to utter words. She was healed in her hearing and her mouth set free that seven-year-old pygmy little girl. Oh my gosh. And the mother's crying, you know, her faith of bringing that baby mm -hmm. from one mountaintop all walking all night just to get her child healed. Amen. I just amazing. Like I said, amazing stories. These are people that they would come up. They've never seen white people before. Right? They come up and they look at you and they, they look at their hand to see if the white comes off because oh. they've never seen long hair before. Oh, I mean, just, you know, it just, it's just shocking to them, but God did amazing miracles. Amen. Amen. And you know, it, it, it must've seemed when you gave up your potential Olympic career, that that was the end, you know, we, we have such limited visions of our lives and God's vision is, is a billion times better and bigger. And so I'm, I'm curious, um, did you ever look back and say, oh, I wish I would have, or are you like, I am in this for the, for the long haul? Oh, I never regretted the decision. Uh -huh. Never. In going with God, there's, there's no regrets absolutely 100 percent i know a lot of people didn't think that i'd make it on the mission field mm. i had one friend say you'll be back in eight months then he apologized to me for 30 years <laughs> <laughs> every time i saw him he'd say yep i said you'd never make it <laughs> how many years have you been on the field now <laughs> yeah like, right okay. right okay. yes i i know yeah. i've uh, people who who are avid campers are like oh you should you know come camping it's so much fun i'm like yeah i'll camp in the hilton thank you very much <laughs> exactly. so I, life is camping so for a holiday go to a resort for crying out loud <laughs> that's right that's right so for our listeners who might be inspired encouraged or or wanting to become a, a missionary what's their first step? Like, where do they look? Are there organizations? Are there, is there something maybe in their own churches? How would you um, encourage them to get started? Well, at first, the first thing was to get Bible training. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is why I went to Rainbow Bible Training Center. And um, they also have now a beautiful mission school. Okay. And that mission school, it's run by Joe Dunnick. He um, has interns that he sends to different missions all around the world. Mm. And so if you have like a feeling, I wanna to go to Africa, he'll contact some of the African missionaries and say, can they intern with you six weeks? Mm. And um, if you have a, a, you know, a feeling towards Thailand or Asia or something, you know, we have missionaries all over the world now mm. and uh, they get you hooked up. I would definitely recommend going to uh, Rama. Mm and um getting the bible teaching and then getting the experience the mission school prepares you for um i say i learned as much at my mission school as i did at bible school oh wow the six months i had at mission school was as valuable to me as the two years in bible school I got two years of Bible school. I was ready to burst with the word, but I'd never had any experience in missions. I was a pastor's daughter, but I had never set foot outside of America before. Wow. So um, that was the next thing that I had to do was get some experience. And so going to mission school is um, also a great thing. So yeah. I would highly recommend Raymond's mission school. And then from there, um, 
you have to pray. I would say the biggest thing is to pray and get the plan of God for you. Wait before the Lord. I mean, we always want this microwave thing that give it to me now, give it to me now. And I had to spend literally hours in prayer and waiting before God for him to birth the next step in all of the different steps, every transition that we did from different nations. Um, yeah, you, it takes time to wait before the Lord and nobody wants to do that. And it doesn't happen quickly. I, I, uh, in Bible school, I prayed and prayed and the Lord kept speaking to me. Okay, you're going with them. When do I go? How do I go? The Lord began to put things together slowly and he brought it to me. It wasn't me going out to try to make the way he opened the doors. And then I knew in my heart, this is the right step. I go this way. Amen. Let me just say a word there too. I recently interviewed uh, Keith Moore on the road show, you know, the other show that I'm a host on. And he said the same kind of thing about uh, praying when they started a church in Florida, he had, a, he had a church in Branson and, and he knew that the Lord wanted them to pastor a church in Florida, but he kept praying, you know, so yes, they go to Florida, but they prayed again a long time about the land that they should buy, the building that they should buy. And then they kept praying for the next step. All that to say, like Melinda says, you don't just pray once and go to Africa and you're done praying. You know, I mean, right. you, you are whatever God calls you to do. You're praying and you're seeking God every step of the way. You know, you take the, usually God gives you one step, you know, mm -hmm. and then he gives you more and gives you more and gives you more. So the key is to pray and obey that one step and then keep praying and asking him. Amen. Yeah. And Amen. waiting, 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 being quiet and listen, journaling, let him talk to you and um, practice hearing him. I, I feel like it's a real key thing for our walk with God is, is learning to hear his voice and practice hearing him. Um, I think we don't do that enough. I hear you. Well, we're, we're used to, what do I cook for dinner? Type it into <laughs> Google and you have, you know, a, a seven course meal. So that that's the, the culture we live in. But, but what you were talking about earlier of, of prayer and obedience and, um, and more prayer and more obedience, it is ongoing. And to, to Karen's point, um, I, I did a Bible uh, teaching not long ago about, you know, God doesn't show you the whole Microsoft project plan with, you know, every step laid out, color coded dates and, and everything. You know, that's, uh, you know, that's our desire, of course, because we want to be the one in charge, but turning that over to the Lord and saying, okay, step one, okay, wait for step two, wait for step three, then that really is faith and trust in God. So boy, Melinda, I think we have to have you back because I am, first of all, I have to go find a map and find out where all these places are because I'm geographically <laughs> challenged. <laughs> But I definitely want to have you back and have you talking more about some of these stories because these are miracles that that you're witnessing. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was just thinking as you were talking about that, you know, when Dan and I, we, we had felt that stirring that we were going to leave Congo and move to Rwanda. And um, at that time, I had, you know, Dan and I said, let's just spend this whole week in prayer and seeking God. And so we put a map of Africa in front of us and we started fasting and praying for the week. Actually, it only took 30 minutes for God talk. Oh, wow. And he showed me, I saw four years in advance. I saw Kigali big. 
I saw Dar es Salaam small on the map and it literally it jumped off the map like this at me and I'm looking at it and I'm seeing prophetically. And then I heard God say, you'll go to Kigali. You'll only be there between two and three years. Then I'm moving you to Dar es Salaam. You'll be thrown out. You can't take anything, but it's me moving you to Dar es Salaam. And so I just told Dan what God was telling me. But see, we, we, we spent the time just seeking him. Mm. We, we said, okay, we're not going to do anything until we hear from God because we don't know what to do. And right. so we just set aside time to pray, pray it out. Now, the amazing thing was normally it doesn't happen that fast within 30 minutes. I saw four years like, God, I wish you would do that every single time. He doesn't. He does. That time he did. He showed us that war was coming to Congo. Yeah. He showed us that we needed to leave. He showed us exactly when to leave, mm. that we would need to pack our container and get out when we did. And apparently the week after we left, that one of the missionaries there said, hey, you can't even get a cold cup of water through that border right now. Oh, wow. so we left at exactly the right time. So, you know, God orchestrated the whole thing, but it comes down to waiting before him, setting time aside and just seeking his face. Amen. You can't do any microwave on this. Yeah. This is like a long roast in the oven. Right. You know? I, I was going to say this is crock pot cooking, not microwave yes. cooking. So Melinda, I want to thank you so much for being with us here today. And I am like so encouraged by all the, the wonderful work that you're doing. And I know our listeners are going to be excited to, to learn more and to listen to this and uh, follow, maybe follow your path. So uh, for those of you who are listening, who are interested in, in doing something like this, uh, Melinda talked about Rema. that's R-H-E-M-A, Rhema Bible College, so check that out. And um, boy, Melinda, God bless you and your husband and all that you're doing. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. And you can check out Melinda's ministry at slm.int.org. Is that right, Melinda? slmint.org. Excellent. That's Shining Light Ministries International. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. So until next time, everyone, God bless and have a wonderful day. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our show today. If you'd like to learn more about Karen and her ministry, head over to karensalsbury.org. She has a great blog and tons of books and resources that you're going to love. Be sure to follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and now TikTok. Also, don't forget to sign up for my weekly blog, Elevate the Day. It goes out every Sunday morning straight to your inbox. Head over to jennifercavello.com to sign up. And you can also get a copy of my new book, Finding God, Finding Me, which is also available on Amazon. Follow Elevate the Day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next week, may God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Have a great day, everyone.